Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling in association with Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. I'm Graham Wilgos, outside on a beautiful evening, Brad. It is. In it the is. city of Bath. And we've got a new location. We're sat outside a different pub this time. Because um, it just adds a bit more atmosphere to it, doesn't it? Rather a little, than a, little a bit sort of atmosphere. Of... And it's a shame to waste an evening like this as well. It is. It is. Um, how's your week been before we um, get into the stage? It's been really good. Um, feel like I've found my flow a little bit on the telly now, relaxing. I've been doing a bit of commentary, which has actually been really enjoyable. Um, and um, yeah. Uh, I've not seen you for a couple of days. You did the pod with Brian yesterday. There was the rest day. Anyone who's followed you on Insta will have seen you've, you've yeah. returned to an old stomping ground. Yeah, I went out to uh, um, Hampton Court. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, just ended up parking the car where the finish line just up there. And, and you could still see the markings on the road from where the finish line was. It for the, was the 2012 Olympic time, time trial. trial. And it was yeah. just sort of quite apt that we'd been speaking about that. Yeah. Um, it was quite bizarre going back there. Um, but lovely as well, you know, just I think it, 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 it's hard to think walking around there and looking at the palace and that. Um, not just the Olympic time trial, but eight years ago, I mean, you'll remember, Graham, obviously, because you were working as a journalist at the time, like just how special it was in London, that period. I mean, this year's been a strange year for the whole country, isn't it? But London, I mean, I grew up in London, but that Olympics was, it was something special in London that we'll, we'll always look back on and think. Uh, a, real, a real energy, of course, that you, um, you played a big part in. Yeah, and probably unknowingly, which sounds bizarre, because you don't realise what you're doing at the time. You know, you're just doing it for you and for selfish reasons, I suppose, because you're training to win and you don't quite realise the impact it has on other people. And I've realised that more so than ever the last couple of weeks in opening up on our podcasts and Fridays again was part two, and again I've had an overwhelming response in messages to yeah. So the, the one that we recorded on Friday, but went out on Sunday. Yes. and it just so happened I was in Hampton Court Monday and, and posted that picture, which is kind of yeah. But um, very apt, listen, yeah. it's just the, the more I've opened up on these podcasts, the more I've spoken, and the more I've seen the response. It's actually I, I said last year being on that bike was probably the best experience in cycling I've had. Um, I probably think. This podcast is like, I never imagined 20 years ago I'd be doing a podcast and helping people um, unknowingly again, you know. So as much as it inspired people winning on a bike, the the fact I've still got a platform and the privilege to be able to still being, you know, engage with people and speak to them, it's, um, this is probably now my greatest moment in cycling really is this, because this is far more important and reaches far more people in a, in, a, in a beneficial way off the bike but it's still to do with cycling and we'll return to how the yellow jersey changed my life we'll do part three of, of your retrospective part three coming up start uh, this, this coming, just alone this coming weekend slime yeah. may, may or may not be available um 
can we move it on to stage 17 of the tour? Which wow, to, what today's a stage. stage. What a stage indeed. Um, let's start with the headline this morning. No Egan Bernal. Yeah. No Egan. No. And, um, uh, you know, as much as he fell out the GC and that, I don't think anyone saw that coming. I don't think we realised just how bad it was until the statement this morning when Dave said, you know, we have, he's a young lad and we have to think about his health. But it's, um, you know, just as an observation, I don't want to be critical or sound like I'm it just shows I talk about the brutality of elite sport you know it's all right saying now um this isn't a criticism by the way because you know some certain outlets will sensationalize it Williams hammers but you know it's a bit late to be careful of someone's welfare and taking about the race now I mean because mm. he had that issue in Dauphiné and I, I sense not all is well there so, so the issue we're talking about just briefly back. is bad back. back he's bad back and and he adjusted his riding style to compensate and and that had an effect on his knee as well well there's four days to go in the Tour de France. It's kind of damage done, isn't it? It just shows you how they'll push the boundaries, push, but now we'll take him out for the welfare. But listen, that's no criticism of, of Dave and his team. That, that's elite sport. If you can't do it, someone else will. They're taking him out for his own welfare, of, of course, but there's also half an eye on the Vuelta now. They, they, can, they still feel like they can salvage something know, from his season. And that's a shame on Chris Froome, isn't it? You know, and that's half the trouble. You have all these high flyers and big wages and big hitters, but you've got to spread your assets over the season. But it just shows you, just observationally, not all is well in that team. Mm. You know, and all has flagged that in the breakaway the other day when she said she'd spoken to um, individually to I think to Chris Froome and, and he wanted to ride the Tour de France. Now, um, yeah, they, 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 I started to think today they backed Bernal because he's their youngest asset who's got a longevity there. Um, the others are. Uh, dwindling a bit I suppose into age or age is you know not on their side it just shows how cutthroat it is doesn't it mm. you know if you could get rid of a four times winner how many times he won the world the Giro and, and he got a, a British born and bred product to that system in Garoin it was really a flagship for that team and what it was now it's a grenade team um, it's it just shows you that it's cutthroat you know and 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 they're backed Burnell and it's gone tits up and I think it pulled out too late then if that's the issue mm. because he's f you know and, and that's the reality of it and it's all right looking for his welfare he's a young lad but he's clearly backs not very well and his knees done and they knew that before the Dauphiné so it shows you how much invested they are in his future there um but also Carapace I mean he was looking forward to the Giro and he's clearly in good form now for the Giro. They've wielded him in and he's kind of, then G's got the Giro and he's not got that. He's the re defending champion for the Giro he, and he's up the road the last two days trying to win a stage in the Tour de France and he's gone to that team to be a Grand Tour rider. Froome, they've given him the Vuelta sort of last pickings as it were and but now Bernal might be doing that so Froome's sort of, you know, I mean, it's just... You know, too many, you've got too many chiefs now, really, haven't they? Too many chiefs. And do you think for Bernal, young rider, obviously defending champion, do you think he felt the pressure to stay in the race maybe longer than he I should? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That, that, I can't really answer that for him, but he's a competitor, isn't he? Um, when, you, when you're injured, you're injured. And it, it's sometimes the decision of someone in a medical position to pull you out. I, I don't know. But yeah, I guess he would have done, but um, that is the nature of elite sport and that's the nature of that team you know and I, I always revert back to Dave's words to me when we were talking about you know returning to 2012 and I got back in 2014 and won the Tour of California mm. and I just remember saying afterwards you know 
do you know how hard it's been for me to get back to this level after 2013 and Dave's exact words were well, that's what you paid for and um, so you're an asset you're an but, asset first I remember being a little bit upset at the time like going you cheeky bloody bastard who do you think he is but he was right yeah you know he was absolutely right that's what you are paid for get on with it you know would you want a medal and uh, unfortunately whether people like it or not that is that is the cruelty of elite sport and they well, have protected their asset in some ways because they're anticipating I guess well Froome's moving on I'm not sure with a G's under one more year one more yeah. year um, and so now they signed Adam Yates and so what's Adam Yates going to be thinking going into this at the, at the moment God knows you're thinking I'm, I'm jumping off one very steady ship well yeah potentially and, and, and what I've got ahead of me and it's very difficult because they've more than likely doubled his salary or you know certainly stuck another mill on it and sometimes it's not just about the performance of what I can win it's like you're giving me three million, you know? And that might just be to ride for Burnell. We'll have that. No pressure. And that sort of sounds a little bit defeatist sometimes, but that's the reality of it. And it's the riders at the end of the day have to make as much money as they can before they stop. I know that's a, it's not about money, but it's a bit easier said than done when someone's offering you a couple of million. I mean, presumably Yates will all be given his chance, not necessarily at the tour. Well, I don't know. I mean, we have no it's... idea what the plans are. I mean, I found it bizarre, having been in that team, I mean, I don't think it's that bad, but for statements to come from somewhere to say, with all the money they've got, and this, that, and the other, and what they have achieved, that it's somehow all disintegrated to, to a statement coming out and all are saying, we need to have a serious re look at getting a coaching team and a, and a team that's capable of winning the Tour de France. I mean, as far as I was aware, you bloody had that. When you There's signed Carapace... You've got Froome on your books. You've got, you've got four Grand Tour winners on your books. And you now, because it's all gone tits up, in an odd year, need to build a coaching team, which you've had for eight years, and a set of riders that are capable of winning the Tour de France, which means there's some serious, seriously dysfunctional... I don't know what, what's seriously gone that wrong, but we've spoke a lot about the riders that have left. Um, you know, Walt Powell's, Nico Portal's not there. But... My God, they couldn't have been that dependent. Yeah, of course they made played a massive impact, but isn't this the team that goes out and replaces those people? I mean, I don't know. It just it just seems bizarre that they would actually admit that. Mm. Today's stage, then the Queen stage of the Tour de France, a proper battle for the GC today. We knew it would be. Uh, 170 kilometres from Grenoble to Meribel, uh, Col de la Lotte, up and over 2,000 metres of altitude twice. The Col de Madeleine and the Col de la Lotte. Uh, the final climb, on which there was a new section of viciously steep paved road, uh, a 21.5 kilometre climb to finish with gradients up to 24%. It sounds savage, it absolutely was. Here's how Carlton Kirby called it for us on Eurosport. Just as he got back to for catcher, Primoz Roglic kicks again, our leader of this race. He will stay in that yellow jersey, of course, by an extended margin by the looks of things. But the day belongs to this man, and he punches the air, and indeed invokes the almighty as well. That was an amazing performance, as has this been. Teamwork to par excellence, I think you might say. Jumbo Visma have delivered, so has Roglic, and count that clock back right now. Every second counts, don't count out Tadej Pogacar but his job has just got an awful lot more difficult if he's going to steal that yellow jersey off the back of Primoz Roglic. Brad let's start with today's winner Miguel Angel Lopez Superman Lopez and a second win for Astana. Yeah I mean he was so impressive I mean you know everyone 
the effort looked the, like the effort it was supposed to be for everyone. Maybe with the exception of Primoz. But Miguel, because when you're watching on the TV, you tend to watch behind Lopez. So I was watching Sepp Kuss. And then, of course, Pogacar. And you almost forgot Lopez was just stopping. Yeah, all away. eyes were on the GC battle between Pogacar When he wins, Pogacar he wins big and he wins very impressively. Yeah. And he's quite un understated because of his nature, his demeanour. Well, this is his first stage of the Tour. He's won twice at the Vuelta yeah. before. Yeah. This is his first Tour stage win. But very impressive. And now he's third on GC. Just quietly jumped um, up as well. No, no one was really talking about him. Astana I was really gunning for Sepp Kuss. I'd love to have seen him win. Yeah. Well, and it seemed like he was given carte blanche to go ahead and, and have a, a crack at the stage. And he, he pulled away. Well, not for the stage. I think it was just, um, it shows the level Primoz has got to. The radio would have been calling back on the to the riders from watching on the telly like we were. And they would have seen that Pogacar was under the pump a little bit yeah. um, because of the nature of the climb. And I think they told Primoz to let the wheel go of Sepp, which he did. But at the time it happened, I thought he was getting dropped. But I think that was with a view, which is why Sepp Kuss was looking around so much, that Primoz would then jump across and Sepp would ride. So he, he actually said afterwards, Sepp Kuss, they wanted me, as in his team, wanted him to go up the road and force the others to chase were his words afterwards. And Roglic, again, obviously with the, the, only, the only GC man with any sort of support up with him in the final few few hundred yeah, metres. But um, I think Sepp Kuss might have been in two minds as to whether to stay with Lopez. I mean, in hindsight, he should have just stayed with Lopez. But, I mean, it's I did say a couple of weeks ago that he would be Primoz's biggest ally in the mm. last week, Sepp. So the, the way today finished, Lopez, as we say, crossed the line first. 15 seconds behind was Roglic and a further 30 seconds, so 15 seconds from Roglic, was Pogacar. Um, so, so Rog and Pog together, as you say, all, all eyes were on them really and you almost forgot that Lopez had sloped, yeah. off, had sloped off up the road. But in doing that, he climbed to third on GC and Richie Port now fourth. Port fourth at three minutes and five seconds. So he's a minute and a half down, isn't he? Yeah, a minute and a half behind Lopez. So it's still very achievable for him. Um, I mean, we talked about Ineos earlier, obviously Port there next season. This is he got definitely? To, this is that definite? Be, as far as I'm aware, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, th I think we're, we're, we're looking at this, and I'm sure Richie is too, if, if the move is definite, as his final crack at a Tour de France podium. Yes. And I don't know if he'd have expected that at the start of this race. Yeah. Um, and the same, the same with Adam Yates, perhaps, going, going in with so ambitions of stage wins. So Adam is five, uh, sorry, he's fifth on GC at three minutes and 14 seconds. But neither he nor Port would have gone into the Tour with realistic ambitions of the GC. Adam Yates, they clearly said, didn't they, that they weren't going for GC. Like, why? We're not going GC, we're going to stages, we're going to grab bombs up the road. Whereas Port went under the radar a bit, we didn't really concentrate on him, we kind of thought that his years were done. But I, th I think he'd have took fourth at the start. But I said the last few days, he, more than anyone, deserves a podium in the Tour. And, um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not over, but if it stays as it is to the time trial, tomorrow's a tough day. He's got a minute and a half to make up on Lopez on a mountain time, which is going to be very difficult. So just to give you the details on GC, Roglic obviously won, Pogacar at 57 seconds in second, and Miguel Angel Lopez at 126 in third. Port, as we said, fourth, and Adam Yates, three minutes and 14 seconds behind uh, in fifth place. The polka dot jersey, um, the, the, the mountains, it, it has, well, the top three on GC are also top three in the mountains competition. Uh, the first time in a while that we've, we've seen yeah, but I think that, that as a byproduct of the race itself rather than a, an individual rider gunning for the, the mountains points. I think the days of Richard Veron, um, Claudio Chiapucci, you know, and those guys chasing that mountains jersey, and it's almost like 
I wouldn't say it's a non-competition. I mean, I don't, like uh, it's a bit. I, w- I would always put the green jersey competition above that. Um, it's like people don't chase that jersey anymore. It always falls to lesser riders that make their name off of it. Um, Vocler's won it in the past, you know, but mm. nature of his breakaways. It, it would always change hands. It was always due to change hands from mm. Confois. You mentioned Roglic wasn't struggling as badly as anyone else on the climb today, on that final climb today, apart no. from Lopez. His cadence was very impressive. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the key to it, is monitoring his cadence. And, I mean, he's getting more and more impressed. The last four Grand Tours he's been on the podium, he's ridden. Yeah. Um, his consistency is admirable. I mean, Yeah, but for someone who's only been in the sport five years. You've been in his position... In, in terms of holding the yellow jersey, going into the and final the few of days, the ski jump. and at the, yeah, in both positions, um, but specifically in the yellow jersey, you were saying earlier off air that it's important not to chase the race too hard. Yeah, because the question was about stage wins. You know, there are people obsessed with stage wins, but you win the Tour de France. Don't he's, he's already got one as well. Remember, yeah, stage four. But the, you know, his goal the next few days is not about stage wins; it's about winning the race in Paris on Sunday. And he'll be the first Slovenian to do that. Mm. He would have won the Vuelta and the Tour de France. That team thoroughly deserve it. Um, we'll have a Dutch team winning the Tour. It's massive. It's a huge story. Um, and not just that, we have a Slovenian second by the looks of it, mm. whichever way they end up. Balls to stage wins. I mean, he's got one and I had two time show ones. You've been in Roglic's position. Can you remember how you were feeling at this point? I mean, you always talk about the process and it's just, it's, it's the next I think thing, I was just counting stage, off the days. The, yeah. We were in the Pyrenees by now, um, after the second rest day. We had a couple of stages, transitional stages. I think we had that stage, we went up the Pyrrhusord, Valverde one. Mm. And then the day after was a sprint stage where we launched Cav, where he just caught Nico Roach and Luis Leon Sanchez on the line. Then the time trial. So, you know, you were getting closer and closer to Paris. You were talking to family members back home and... They were getting excited about travelling out. We're travelling out Saturday and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And everyone's excited. It builds. It was crescendoing. Like, you know, there's, you want to see the amount of people that said they're going out on all this. You know, it's like, now really, is it that big? Yeah, you want to see the newspaper. You, people start letting you into how big it is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, uh, I think that, that builds, you know, the closer you get. And you're still trying to remain focused. And you're trying to get passes for stands in Paris for people while you've still got the time trial to do. And But... They're great days, you know. For Roglic, what's his sporting director saying in the car to him there? Um, On that final climb, I mean. Well, you'd hope it was just clear, concise information. Lots of the times, the guys in the team cars are watching the same pictures that we're watching. So they will see front-on views that Primoz, say say Pogacar's behind Primoz, they will see that, or, or an overhead shot where he's just losing a wheel a bit. They'll go on the radio and say, Primoz... Pogacar's in trouble. Pogacar, you know, go. And so you react off the radio calls from the DSs because you quite often don't see what the car is seeing on telly. Or he'll make an acceleration and Pogacar will follow him and they'll see an overhead shot and he'll be going, he's cracking, he's cracking, he's cracking, you know, because P- Primoz isn't looking around. So it, it's information like that. Mm. And then you, once what, he has cracked him, he'll be going, keep going, keep going. Pogacar's, Pogacar, you know, things like that. So... Um, or what did, Sepp's just up the road. Sepp's just up the road. What did you appreciate as a rider on the road hearing from your DS in the car? Because you said on commentary, some DSs can talk too much and they yeah. basically give you no, useless information. And can, I, I think you were saying this in, in praise of Matt White. They can get carried away with emotion, some of them. Um, and some of them get just as nervous in the car. Yeah. Um, where Sean Yates was fantastic, Nico Portel. Um, 
it, it's not about the DSs. You're just there to facilitate the riders and give them information that they will need at crucial times. You're not there to get carried away in the emotion and whoopee and bang the ceiling and all this sort of stuff. They do that after the finish line. We see that quite often in the behind-the-scenes cameras. Mm. But it's not about you. You know, there was this thing about Nico Roach today that I have to show about. Some, they were like arguing about who's taking responsibility for the tactics because they've won all these stages. It's like, it's not about the DS. You just drive the car and watch the GPS. And if any DS is going to go out and try and claim responsibility for it, it's like, you know, you, it's, it's a team effort. It's yeah. about everyone. Yeah. Last one for today's stage on, on a team effort. Bahrain McLaren really rode hard to begin with. I've got to ask you one question on them. Go for it. Well, they controlled the race for, for large parts today. Uh, were you surprised to see them riding so hard for Mikel Lander? They didn't control the race. They took it on. Yeah. The team did a fantastic job. They all did a fantastic job. You just never got the sense that Lander was going to come off the back of that train and do a Pantani at the end. You know, he was always going to be a bit limp. Mm. And he's not that type of rider. He's a grafter and he's a grinder. But you almost get the sense, there's two ways of looking at it. Was Rod sticking two fingers up and pulling Ineos's pants down? We're not going to let you win a stage. That's a bit dramatic on that. They'll deny it, of course, but who knows? Um, was it just, look, we've got to do something because mm. we've come here and we've put our eggs in one basket and we've said this is a ball about Lander and it's not happened. We need to try and make the race somehow. Was that the right tactic to do? Light it up on the Madeleine? In, in, you know, they, they whittled that group down, they tired the group out. But all they probably did was tie up Lander out as mm. well. Um, so you, you saw him later in the stage with Wout Poles on his wheel. Yeah. And, and really suffering. Yeah. And Wout's got a broken scapula, is that right? Maybe not scapula, but he's got he's got definitely got a broken rib and something else broken from the early crashes in the from, week. From, from, from Nice, I think it was. From stage one. Yeah. Wow. So um, they tried it, whether it's the right tactic or not. But, you know, you, you as Sean's been saying this week, you know, the, the riders have got to finish it off. It doesn't matter how strong your team is. Mm. We'll be back with more from the Bradley Wiggins show right after this. Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists, for life on and off your bike. Lacquer has flipped outdated traditional insurance on its head with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Plus, 80% of your money goes straight back into the collective, fixing, replacing, and helping. And the other 20% keeps their wheels spinning. It's as simple as that. And when things go bad, Lacquer's got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. They've ditched annual contracts locking you in. With Lacquer, if you want to leave, you can, anytime. Head over to www.lacquer.co, where new customers can get £10 credit by signing up today with the discount code WIGGINS. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show, sponsored by Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Brad, a word on Torreno Andrasico. Uh, because won by Simon Yates, second Geraint Thomas, a very impressive haul uh, for the Brits. Bodes well for the Giro. Seemingly so. Uh, um, a top 10 finish for James Knox too. Yeah. It's very difficult, isn't it, to judge Torreno and its positioning um, and what does it mean. Particularly in this season as well. You know, it's, it's so hard to, in normal circumstances, it would be a great result. It is a great result. It is Torreno, but I sat there thinking the same today about the Tour de France. You know, 
are we over-egging some of the res- some of the performances in this Tour de France? Mm. Is it a normal Tour de France? Which sounds cruel to say. You know, I don't want. I'm just sort of airing a view here that might be wrong. I don't know. So I don't want Twitter to piss its pants. You know, but Pogaccio. I was just suddenly thinking Pogaccio. He's a great, great bike ride. Look, you know, amazing. But if it had been in normal circus, has he benefited from the season we've had in being able to get second in the tour? And I, I, I only say that because we're quick to heap pressure on him for the next few years mm. that he will win a tour one day. This might be his best tour ever because the riders all spread over the grand tours. And I wonder if some riders, particularly the young riders that flourished in this race, benefited from a watered-down peloton spread over lots of races. Do you think Simon Yates is looking at it wondering if he could have done something in this tour? Absolutely. But he doesn't want to and he's got unfinished businesses at the Giro. But no, but it bodes well for Grant and Simon, definitely. And it is Torino. You're up against world-class athletes there. There is no question now that Enios made the wrong decision, didn't they? Also over in Italy, we saw Mariana Voss take her third stage win at the Giro Rossa. We've also seen Lizzie Banks take I think a that win. was what was most impressive, was Lizzie. Um, she's a phenomenal talent, and um, it was just great to see her get that win as well. Because On a, on a stage that's 170 kilometres. In a big, kilometers. big race like that, because we're so blessed with talent now with Lizzie Digan, and that it's just lovely to see someone like Lizzie Banks get a stage win. And in the Giro Rossa, it doesn't get much bigger for... For the for the women's peloton than the Giro Rosa, so good on Lizzie. I mean, she's. I think there's much more to come from her. Van Vluten in the overall lead still, but Voss, impressively, continues to dominate. Yeah, and um, we spoke about Voss quite a lot this season, haven't we, on the podcast? And I actually predicted that I think she was returning to somewhat of her own form, and she's gotten better and better and better. And she even obviously finished second to Lizzie in um, La Corse, but you know this is Marion of old and. Um. Um, it's actually great for the sport to see her back at this level. Tomorrow's stage 18 at the Tour then, Brad. 175 kilometres, Maribel to La roche sur foron Two Cat 1s, one or category. Another brutal day, a roller coaster of a profile. It might be an interesting one, I was thinking, because some riders might have burned themselves out keeping the pace today. Well, I think everyone's going to have different sensations, but I think making those efforts today at altitude is going to have need extra recovery. Cormé de Roselon, Col de Saisy, Col de Arves. I mean, it is, it's proper tomorrow and it's up and down all day and it is not to be underestimated for a lot of riders. And we could see cracks, we could see people gaining time again and I think there'll be another shake-up tomorrow. Who do you expect to shake it up? Well, the GC guys, but in, in what order? I have no idea. I think Primoz will be good, the team will be good. Um, I, th- I would say further down the numbers. So, Lopez, pre- you know, I can't see him cracking. Adam Yates, I mean... It may, you know, it'll be the same players. Lander again? I mean, he's got to do something, hasn't he? But I think it would be amazing to see Lopez do again what he did today. And then we've, yeah. we've really got a, a three-way race on. Because we've really been talking about it as a two-way race for yeah. the past so what, fortnight. What's he off the lead now? 130? 126. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we have to see all that one. I just think that the main players are going to come to the fort. And it will they'll probably battle out the stage win. Do you think Carapaz might have another go tomorrow? I think he has to. 
Ineos of course have got he has to, to come, because Ineos have got to come away with they're something. They're scraping the barrel a bit, aren't they? So it's, it's either him or Kwiatkowski. I just don't... Yeah. It's, they're, I mean, two, they're two most I, impressive I actually riders. think it's not for Ineos. It's for Carapaz that he's doing this. Yeah. It's not about salvaging something for Ineos. It's about giving Carapaz something for chopping and changing him about. You yeah. know, this isn't about Ineos winning the stage and saving their race. What's he going to change for Ineos? Yeah. After what they've done over the years? It's a bit like Man United sort of getting into the Champions League spots. It's like, it, I think it's more for Carapaz. That's interesting. Of course it P- is. That's why I'm here. Something else you noticed this week, Brad. Pogacar taking his time trial bike out on rest day. Yeah. An interesting one, that, because that's what who used to do. Yours truly. I like doing it. I used to do it um, the last couple of days into a time trial. I would warm down on it on the turbo of the stage. Let's not forget, they haven't done a time trial the whole race. Yeah. Um, so Pogacar rode his time trial on the rest. I'm sure Primoz did as well. You know, start addressing that bike is a completely different setup after three weeks racing. Also, the Nationals the week before would have been the last time they probably touched the time trial bike. So it's important to start touching on that and getting on. For those, you know, you start thinking ahead now to that. Um, and one minute, very, very possible to take back if it stays, that gap, I mean, on GC. No, I, well, I can't see Pogacar taking it out of him in that time trial on, on the hill. It, it, Primoz is just looking too unfallible at the moment. Um, He'd have to be on a very bad day or crash the next few days, which is, mm. you know, let's look, look what possible. in the Dauphiné. Yeah, well, time will tell. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Thank you to our sponsor, Laka Bicycle Insurance. Thank you, Brad. Uh, we can follow you on social media at SirWiggo. I should add that you can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to our producer, Pete Burton. I want to say, Joe, you know I actually want to say, we've had some fantastic downloads this week, haven't we? We have. And, 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 it's- and I know I take the piss a lot, but I actually want to thank you, Graham, and you, Pete, for this because we've built a little team, though, haven't we? And it's great. And um, I'm getting emotional. Been, no, no, it's been enjoyable because we, we do it together and we can't have ideas together and we all muck in, although it's me that's, you know, the tragedy here and has to talk about it. Um, but you're, tra- you're just as tragic as me. You just don't got a platform. <laughs> just No one's interested week, in my story. Next week it's great. Part one, life was never the same after Sport Magazine. <laughs> and finally from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Thank you, everyone. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.